Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the GM Studio, a podcast all about the tabletop RPG hobby, mostly centered for the game masters, but the players are able to come in and hopefully learn something themselves. On today's show, man, I got a bunch of shit for you, baby. Yeah. Uh, I know Dave has made a quiz for me. Yeah. I got a new segment called Fucking or Feeling It, uh, as well as we got some it. news coming in i actually got a long list of news but we got to save some for other shows as well as an email in about target numbers and should the players know what the target numbers are so who knows we might get to a main topic today and if we do i'll make sure to tell you what it is we got a lot of shit to go into the show baby um start off i oh if you don't know who we are i'm your host matt i am david and uh yesterday we had a one shot uh, kind of just offset from our regular Curse of Straw game uh, that we used ICRPG for the the system, as well as Barovia a couple hundred years in the past from the setting that we're playing in now. And Dave actually got to be a player through this. And how'd you feel about it, Dave? Did you have a little fun? Well, more or less. Um, I think anytime you're a GM, you always kind of run up against the problem of like the other players are likely kind of expecting you to guide the game a little bit more than is typical. So we did run up against that a little bit. I, you know, I don't want to, it's, it's a difficult balancing act because you don't want to feel like you're running other people's characters for them and deciding what is going to be done. But at the same time, you do want to kind of help push the game forward, both for the player's benefit and for the game master. That said, I felt like the system needs a little ironing now. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that a couple of situations last night really illuminated some of the little bit looser mechanics in the game and some of the vague. A lot of them I didn't things. get too hardcore on because it was just a one shot. I think I don't think we're ever going to touch it ever again. So I was yeah. just like, eh, fuck it. Who cares? Nobody's going to care about it next week or any time in the future. So I was, I was very loose with a lot of stuff. Trying to... I just get an idea of what the system is and and mm -hmm. it was interesting i can't i couldn't see us transitioning to it like permanently but it you know it's nice to kind of get an idea of what else is yeah i wanted to there. see the strong points of it which uh we did really well the effort system i'm a big fan of the effort system mm -hmm. uh the timers between encounters i thought was it's cool in a way if you want to get like sus some suspense or some pressure on them Rolling and being like, all right, you got two rounds until backup shows up. What are you going to do? They're like, oh, well, I need to do this. I need to still, or do we just fucking cheese it? I like that. Um, yeah, other than that, I enjoyed it. I liked it. There are some other things that I think if it was, if I was playing it a little bit more correctly, it, uh, it'd be a little different, but I hit everything that I wanted to. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't think it's something that I would do full time, but it's something to have nice in the back pocket. It's so the pace, so light. The pace of the adventure was was good. I thought uh, it did. You could tell that it was something that was a little rough and ready, and not necessarily had the polish of you know it being like a rich, deep world or really fostering a lot of uh, party building, camaraderie, suspense. It was really more of a a to B to C to D kind mm -hmm. of plot focused. 
but it needs to be that way with a one shot. So I would have liked to have seen the other players kind of be a little more involved in the trajectory of the adventure. But again, it's hard to do if, if you're not invested in this as a more than like a single session, it's just kind of more idle entertainment, more akin to a board game where you're yeah. learning the mechanics of the rules and, and kind of the way it plays out differently. So that said, I thought it was a, a nice little reprieve. I, like you said, I don't necessarily see us getting too deep into it because we'd have to all learn the rules a little bit more than we did. Mm-hmm. And I can't see us wanting to do that when we have D&D that's already so well fresh, fleshed out and and baked in to switch to another rule system. But it is kind of good to get an idea of the way the same world could function with different mechanics. I did think that the system is a little over flattened, but then again, maybe that's because I didn't sit down and read the entirety mm-hmm. of the book. But I had fun. It's always nice to kind of step out of your role as the as the GM a little bit. And uh, I always revel in kind of getting to interact with the players in a way that's like the other players. With a one shot, that's hardly ever. What you really want is to be a member of the the party in the campaign where you're all invested and have well fleshed out characters. And in a one shot, if you're mostly a DM, you're never really going to get that. And yeah. So I guess that was kind of a little unrequited there. But, you know, it was fun certainly better than not playing as to our point previously about players prefer a game to not a game so that's good yeah i really uh i enjoyed what we did i thought it was good for just a side game and uh i really wanted to know with these guys especially like patrick who's a very meticulous character creator he's very by the numbers and all that i wanted to see how long it was going to take him even him he got his done in like 15 20 minutes Yep. which is really good for him. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's move on to, let's see, should we get into some news or do we want to go into the quiz? Uh, Up to you. I guess it depends on how long you think the news will take, how much you have to say about it. It seems like stuff that, uh, you know, the fuck it or feel it, I feel like can go pretty quickly. But the news, I, I these things are both uh, news to me as well so i don't i don't know what there is to say yeah let's start with some news uh dave do you like D? uh yeah i'm I'm partial to it if i gotta say one way or are you a fan of dice uh i do i do like dice yes do you like transformers not for the same reasons but i generally do yes would you like a d20 that turned into a elder red dragon no then you would hate Hasbro Dicelings. These things are fucking dumb. They're cool for collectors, and I'm probably going to buy one. Uh, but they are... They're dumb, but I'm probably going <laughs> to buy one. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> They're D20s that transform into monsters. Uh, the Owlbear, you have to look some of these up at some point, because the Owlbear one looks fucking ridiculous. The Red Dragon does look really cool. Um, and I can't remember what the other ones are, but, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how big they are. So if it's like the size of an actual D 20 that you would roll on the table. No, it's bigger. It looks like it has to be right. Yeah. But they say that you can roll it. (laughs) No, this doesn't look like, this doesn't look like you can really, I mean, you can roll it, but it's not like you would be using it 
it's a gimmick. Is it yeah. a toy? Is it a die? It's like, eh, it's, but both. It's the sport of Dungeons and yeah. Dragons. Uh, other than that, the big news that's going around the uh, the community right now that Watsi is trying to abolish the OGL for one D and D. Dave, are you aware of the of what the OGL is? I am not. Uh, it stands for Open Gaming License. Oh, was, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that's what that was. Yeah, it was created 20 years ago by Wizards of the Coast when Third Edition came out, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the D20 system. So what it says is that whatever whatever is in the SRD uh, is for up for grabs. So if you want to create your own game, create your own world, publish it, and sell it using the rule system of this, you are it by law you are within your rights to do so right uh, like GURPS. yeah pretty much uh with this people are afraid uh that because they're talking about one D getting rid of the ogl and all that i've done some investigating into this first thing first uh ogl is already set with fifth edition rules uh one D, according to them right now i'm not going to say this is going to be in the future one D&D is compatible with all 5th edition rules. So at the moment, it is grandfathered in that the OGL is a part of one D&D because they're not changing the rules of the system that they're using. Right, right. Hold on. Let me just pause you right there. In what way is this a new edition if all the rules are still the same as they are in 5th edition? Uh, changing a race and how it interacts is not a rule. The rule system is... Uh, creating classes yourself, but like uh, the combat mechanics is the rules. Uh, all they're doing that's that's all staying the same for one D and D. Combat mechanics, defense, everything is staying the same. The only thing that they're doing so far is saying we change it so that classes are now getting feats instead of this going on here, and then they're the changing core a little engine, bit. The, the core, core engine of the D twenty system is yep. still the same. Okay, yes. fair enough. Anyway, proceed. Everything that they've changed so far <clears throat> has been very small and more cosmetic than anything else instead of actual rule changing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so at the moment, because they haven't done this, one D&D, when it comes out, will be still under the 5th edition OGL rules. Just to make everybody out there that has been complaining about this uh, a little bit more Uh, feel a little bit more at ease about this. All right, with that, uh, into the uh, the segment that I've come up with, fucking or feeling it. Fucking or feeling it. So, Dave, I'm going to tell you about some new stuff coming out uh, for the tabletop hobby uh, that I've been reading about, and I have some strong feelings about it, and I wanted to know what you thought. And when I tell you about these things, you have to choose. You're going to say, oh, fuck it. All right, man, I'm feeling that shit. Okay. First one up is here. I'll even show this to you because I have it up on my screen here. (laughs) The Monty Python RPG that just went through Kickstarter and is on its way. This thing. Oh, my God. It's so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. I can't even. Uh, so this is the Monty Python's, uh, what is that? Co-cur- co-curricular medieval reenactment program. 
is what it's called. Okay. Uh, of course, everything that comes with it, the backers, the dice are actually kind of cool. I like the dice with the coconut halves that will house your dice for you. These are all just backing additions. The actual RPG itself uh, is an original rules light gaming uh, gaming system, which is a lot like uh, a lot of other OSRs that have just taken a lot of old school D&D stuff, thrown out the window, kept it with uh, third editions, defenses, and then the rest is very simple skills and <clears throat> D20 rolls with modifiers. Okay. The big thing about this game is that if you use quotes from Monty Python movies, you get bonuses. <laughs> and the guys that created this, they're either fucking geniuses or they're assholes because I've played with plenty of people that at some point, if you are playing D&D, fucking Monty Python quotes come up no matter what. It's going to fucking happen. Neckbeards oh, love this shit. So they said, hey, let's make a whole game where you actually say the quotes and you get bonuses because of it. I'm trying to find the spot here uh, <clears throat> that is reading. Yes. Okay. Do you remember the spam bit from Monty, Python, Monty Python's uh, Flying Circus? Um, no, I don't think I do. Okay. So they were talking, uh, this is very old, of course, after the war, when spam was very, very popular. And they had a bit about spam and how much people love spam or this one person loves spam. And he kept saying spam. And that was the joke. This was in the fucking seventies or whatever, but officially licensed book features and original rules like gaming system with spam guidance on designing adventures with spam, ready to run quest spam and guidance on designing one's own adventures, character creation, spam, bestiary spam and dramatis persona sections. Tables for generating all sorts of things with spam. Stretch goal upgrades for additional quests, for additional head of light entertainment, persona, 20% more monsters, 20% more player characters, ribbon bookmarks, spot varnish on cover, original hand-painted illumination, 16.2%, more spam, and of course, very last bullet point, spam. Fuck you. Get a life, dickhead. This is the coolest shit right here. <laughs> this... Uh, this is the coolest shit with the dumbest shit. When they first brought out this Kickstarter, they had these dice catapults that I thought were the coolest things in the fucking world because you can launch them at your DM and he has to <laughs> agree with it. But now they have this weird um, upgrade that they did <clears throat> for this uh, side game that's a part of it. It's like a game of backgammon, but now they have this divider wall that comes with it, and you have to use your dice launch catapult to launch the dice and play the game. I'd be willing to pay some money just for that. So from yeah. what I've said, I know I haven't really swayed you. I'm not a very uh, persuasive person. But Dave, what are you saying? Are you feeling it or are you going to say fuck it? I'm saying fuck it. I mean, I'm feeling it conceptually. Like, okay, I get that this is like something that is kitschy but i don't think it's something that i would really want to play i don't think it necessarily offers anything that i would say is a worthwhile endeavor past the the kitsch value of it i like that someone bothered to do it but i couldn't see running a game if that's what it means to feel it then yeah i'm not feeling yeah i agree but they made two million dollars pretty much which is you know what good for them i'm happy for them 
good for them. I hope whoever bought this has a lot of fun with it. Yeah, Just, I, I mean, I I always hope that good for the people that made it, right? Anything that's like kind of fun and creative, like I like that there are people that support it. I'm probably not going to consume it, so I'm not likely to support it. But I, but if there's enough of an audience for it, then like good on them for trying to do something a little offbeat, colorful. Agreed. <clears throat> Next one on the fuck it or feel it list. Um, Monty Cook. Are you uh, are you aware of this name, Dave? Do you know who this yeah, guy I know is? Yeah, Monty Cook is. Monty Cook, the savior of D&D. The man that mm. brought Dungeons and Dragons back from the ashes. Uh, went yeah. on to make his own um, uh, publishing company as well as his own game system uh, called the Cypher System. Uh, one that I've never really played in very I've read a little bit about it, but I've never played it. <clears throat> Don't know too much about it because it never really grasped me. But one thing that he is known for in these new Cypher systems is their books are fucking beautiful. The art in them are great. Everything that he sends uh, with the books, the supplements, they're all amazing. He has his new um, setting coming out. Tolus. Uh Spelled like pterodactyl with a P. The or thing like Ptolemy. Yeah. When I was reading over this stuff, I was like, this is kind of cool. Okay. This is what's going to come with it. Um, Tolus Monty Cook City by the Spire is an astounding, you know, get this, 672 pages. And that's just the regular core rule book. And that's not all. It includes a packet with a poster map and dozens of handouts, plus another 300 pages of downloadable content. It's all included with the book. <clears throat> so this is just the core rule book. Like I said, 672 pages plus some downloadable content for PDFs. <clears throat> and now that's it. That's all it is. The book and this downloadable content along with, uh, did it say, yeah, a packet with poster map and dozens of handouts. People are up in arms right now because Dave, with the downloads, it's $170. Okay. Uh, for a almost $700, or almost a 700 page rule book, downloadable content, and, <clears throat> and uh, with the map and dozens of handouts that come physical, beautiful, look great. Do you agree with that price? Well, let me preface it by saying this, that generally speaking, cost is an indicator of how much work goes into something. Without seeing the book, I'm skeptical that any rule system that were worth playing would be such so long, a 700 page book is like, to me, it seems like you're, you're bogging it down either one with a lot of lore or two with a really, really sophisticated game mechanic, mm -hmm. in which case it might be the target market might be power gamers, people that really want like a lot of rules complexity. And here is a lot of rules complexity. And here is a lot of polish. Like you said, the books look great. You're getting these physical copies, in which case the amount of work that went into streamlining such a sophisticated system is likely 
to justify that price tag because the market that they're going for is power gamers who want like a really polished, very niche and specific thing. And it's it's designed to be antithetical to what D&D is, which is lowest common denominator, right? Polished, economic, It's and they're, they're effectively saying, you're not our core demographic. Mm-hmm. Like get in line with these sophisticated, really like core rule books uh, that are require a lot of in-depth understanding of a game. Or maybe it's not for you, right? It's like that game fucking Patrick and I used to play Labyrinth, right? Like there's a whole series of games like or that Cuba Libre game we played too. Like, look, you're either that kind of guy or you're not. We're making games for these type of people, in which case I don't feel like that's out of line. Um, but for someone like me who wants a more ecumenical and um, economic rules system that's more low common denominator... Yeah, I'm not going to pay that. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Like, oh my God, where do you get off charging that? It's like, okay, I, it's not like, it's not like if it were a thousand dollars and I could say no core rule book for any game is worth that full stop. I'm, yeah, that's a reasonable price tag for something that requires, you know, probably a large team of people play testing, uh, 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 clearly some very skilled designers who are like thinking about the design, the layout of the book, the art that goes along with it, the binding of the book, the physical copies of like this thing with all this DLC stuff. It's like, that's, that's a lot to get. And so maybe you don't want all of that, in which case, why would you pay? Why would you pay to go to a buffet and go like, it's expensive to go to this buffet. I just wanted like a chicken leg and some mashed potatoes. It's like, well, why did you go to a buffet that has all this other shit? That, you know, like, why would you do that? You wouldn't. So... I want to bring up, you already said it, when 5th edition first came out, I went and bought all my books, and those are just under 400 pages, just around 400 pages. It was 50 bucks. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. they're getting to be that way now. Uh, <laughs> but when they first came out, like Dave said, make sure that your construction is done well. The binding yeah. fell apart within a week, which sucked. Uh, I ended going and getting it cut off and with a spiral bound on it and all that. But as a collector, I wanted it up on my shelf so you could see it. And I was Correct just me if I'm wrong. Wizards did acknowledge that that mistake and actually offered anybody that had that happen to get a free copy of the book. They did. And then trying to get hold of them was an absolute nightmare. Yeah, because probably a bunch of people were calling about their fucking books. Yep, I uh, the the. I got a I got a newer copy, which is in the beginning too. It says we've we've ironed out some language in previous editions that was unclear, so it's like a second printing or whatever, and the binding is is you know old and strong. Yeah, nice so, and tough. Yep. Yeah, I think this is all coming to my um me just getting salty about how much like core rule books are becoming. And mostly because Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds, their core rule book in print, hardcover was like 15 bucks and now with their new one they went a little bit bigger they have more rules and they got a little lot more flashier so it was you know 30 some odd dollars and i'm getting salty about that shit but frankly i kind of prefer them being like here's the thing here's what you get and here's the cost instead of like wizards tries to like fucking nickel and dime you like oh like you could just play with the core rule book it's like or can you you 
you're going to like nickel and dime me all this. It's like change orders on a construction project, right? Oh, it'll be a $50,000 construction project. Cool. Here's 50 grand. Oh, there's a problem. Actually, I need to kind of do this. And this can be an extra three grand. This can be an extra. And there's like, like if, if companies were just more upfront about like, yeah, it's expensive, but you're getting all this shit. Mm. And this is what we do. We're, we're putting out a, a game in its entirety, a game in its entirety. And here's what you get. And this is goal of this and like i'm not saying we're never going to release anything else but it's not like with fucking D D. now it's like you, you basically need the three core rule books and they're between you know let's just say 50 dollars a piece retail it's 150 for the whole system that's not really that far off from what you're getting with this it's just they're saying like look we're just going to give you the whole pain up front of paying for everything and Maybe that's better if you don't want to feel a nickel and dime. Maybe you don't have confidence that they will just leave it be at that. Like, I would love it if companies did that. Like, if Wizards just said, here's the core system, three core rule books, here's what you need. We're not releasing any more core rule books or supplements. Now we will focus on adventures and campaign settings. And that's it. And they're like, everything you buy, if you want to buy a new campaign setting or buy a new adventure, you're getting something new. You're not paying for alterations for the rules, mm -hmm. which is effectively what they're doing. And if this company is like on that bandwagon, like we're going to release scenarios, we're going to release maybe, maybe even like, remember they used to do the old class rule books or whatever, kind of yeah. different context on how to think about your character. But if they're introducing more mechanics and more all of this and that and this and that and this and that and changing the system, then it's like, you start to just feel like you're taken for a ride a little bit. And I don't personally appreciate that. I'm not saying I would pay $170 for a system for a guy that confident is doing something better than they're doing with D&D &D already. But, you know, hey, some people do, and obviously they want that, and so there's a market for it. All right. Well, then, um, Monty Cook's City by the Spire told us, which actually does have a 5th uh, a edition um, version, D&D uh, &D 5th edition version. <clears throat> Are you saying, fuck it? Or are you feeling it? I'd have to know more about the system, more about the, but I'm not, what I will say is I'm not saying fuck it just based on the price tag. Um, but I'm also not saying feel it because I don't know enough about it, but I'm not dismissing that it could be worth it. Um, especially if you're a certain type of gamer with a certain type of game in mind. Uh, so I'm maybe trying to, to split the baby there a little bit, but if I had to say, I'm saying. If I had to say I'm saying feeling it, I feel like there is a market for this and it is clearly like a product that deserves to be in the market. It's not a selfie stick where you're like, why does this even fucking exist? <laughs> um, I'm feeling it. I'm not necessarily feeling it to the degree that I would endeavor to pay that price tag to play this game. Hmm. What about you? I'm saying um, I'm on the same boat as you are. I want to know more about what's in the book. I read over what the setting is. <clears throat> it's cool. It's just another medieval fantasy style city with a dungeon underneath it. Um, like I said, I've ne I haven't looked too much into the cipher system because it's never really intrigued me all that much. Uh, but the 5e port could be cool. Um, for that price, <clears throat> since you've told, you know, you put a little bit more, you think it dungeon master guide, player's handbook, Monster Manual all in one. Fuck, dude, that's 150 some odd dollars right there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you swayed me a little bit. I'm seeing I'm more feeling it than saying fuck it, but 
I, like you said, I'm saying fuck it because of the price right now, but I wouldn't, if anybody said that they were interested in it and saying they were going to buy it, I'd give them a thumbs up and say, way to go. Let me know how it is. Hey, maybe, yeah. maybe it might change my mind as to whether I would endeavor to do it, but. I think it's one of those looking at it right here saying, well, that's a big price. But if I had it in my hand looking at it and they said, this is how much it is. And I'd probably say, oh, well, I see why. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Dave. Let's go ahead and let's get uh, this quiz going. All right. I thought long and hard about this quiz and because you, you said you found one and it was like, doesn't really like test your abilities to understand the game. Um, so I want to see. I, I've kind of crafted some scenarios. We're going to start out a little bit light, All but right. uh, I don't think any of the questions are what I would call easy. Okay. All right. So starting. Assuming that during character creation, a player rolls his ability scores. You got that first clause? Rolling your ability scores. Okay. What is the maximum number of hit points a character can start with at level one? Okay. So of any class. Just, uh, yep. N not any given class. Just what is, like, how many hit points is the most that you could start with if you rolled your ability scores? 32? Whoa. That is absolutely wrong. How'd you get to 32? Because I'm thinking Barbarian has a hit die of 12 with an 18 Correct. constitution. Correct. Would give him right there, that's 14, right? Uh, no. That's, uh... Or that would be 4, 5, uh, 6, so that'd be 16. No, it'd be 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, correct? Yeah. Plus 10? Doesn't Isn't it 10 plus your hit die? Nope. Alright, 0 for 1, Matt. Okay. The answer is 18. Really? Uh, yep. The answer is 18. If you play a Barbarian, then you start with 12 on a hit die. So you start with 12 hit points there. Then, uh, if you are a Dwarven Barbarian, then you could conceivably get a plus two to Constitution, taking your 18 to 20, oh, which would be shit. a plus five modifier. So that gets you to 17, and then if you choose the Hill Dwarf uh, sub-race, then you get a plus one hit point. So the, that it's 12 plus five plus one is 18. Oh, so shit. 0 for 1. All right. All right. Uh, I think the confusion there is you just probably haven't made a character in that long. You mm. forgot that, like, unlike in 4th edition, you used to add, like, a base to it. Yeah. yeah right. And uh, I didn't even think about race. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. This one's a little easier. Name the classes with proficiency and intelligence saving throws. Wizard. That's the only one, isn't it? It seems unfair for you to ask me when I asked you. <laughs> wizard. What is your answer? Final answer. Wizard and Druid. Really? Druid does? Druid does as well. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. What are the effects of two levels of exhaustion? Um, minus are two levels of exhaustion. Correct. Uh, disadvantage on all ability checks. Uh, as well as no 
just a disability or disadvantage on ability checks. Incorrect. Disadvantage on ability checks and your speed is half. One I knew the speed is, did something. Yep. Disadvantage is level one on ability checks. Speed is halved and they compound, obviously, so you have both of them. All right. The spy background. What is the background feature for the spy background? Uh, oh, uh, it's like uh, connections or you're connected with some sort of information hub. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, okay, you don't need the name, but just tell me like what sort of, uh, give me a little more detail about what sort of connection. or, or You hub. have a, um, if I remember correctly, <clears throat> God damn, it's been a long time since I've read this. Uh, you have an informant or a connection line to help gather information. And who, what sort of person is this connection line? Oh, fuck. That I don't know. All right, I'll give you half credit on that one. Uh, the name of the background feature is Criminal Contact. And yes, you're right. You have a network of criminal contacts. That's essential to the spy background. So that's like a half credit one there. Mm. All right. So we're still kind of in the easy. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go for you. How much food and water does a PC need in a day to avoid any adverse effects? How much food and water does a PC need in a day to avoid any adverse effects? Hey, um, food, you need... Uh, is it in helping? Uh... In the book, does it say it's in weight or is it in like uh, helpings? It seems unfair for you to ask me when I asked you. Man, fuck you. Just <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Water. I'm gonna say you need uh full water skin, which is one pound of water. Um. Food, you need <laughs> one day. A ration is a one day worth of, of food. I'm going to say you need one day. You need So you need one ration and you need one water skin. That's the answer. Yes. Okay, that is incorrect. Um, a ration is two pounds and you need one pound of food per day to survive. And you need one gallon of water, and a full water skin, I believe, is only half of a okay. gallon. So uh, that one also incorrect. Uh, but your your instincts were on. At least you have a good idea of uh, the measurements there. All right. All right. We're starting to move into a little more challenging, moderate difficulty questions. You didn't do so well in the easy ones. But maybe <laughs> for some reason these ones will slot in. Maybe. Which can which can affect more medium sized enemies? A thirty foot line spell or a fifteen foot cone spell? Thirty foot line or fifteen foot cone? Correct. Uh, which affects more? Uh, it's technically both the same. That is correct. They can affect the same number of targets. Yeah. There you go. See, so you got one. It was kind <laughs> of like a yeah. How many downtime days does it take a, for a character to gain proficiency in a new toolkit or language? Uh, six. No, 250 <laughs> downtime days. I had no idea. <laughs> okay. 
If a character reaches level 20 in the fighter class, how many ability score increases will he have gotten for his class? Ooh. Okay, this one... Might just take you thinking through it, but yeah. Yeah, so let's see. All right, this one I'm going to say six. Ooh, so close. I thought six as well. It's seven. Is actually. it seven? It's seven. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought, because normal, everybody else normally would have five. Correct? Five. Five. Every, every four, four levels. Uh, every I thought the four, fighter had 16. Oh, yeah. So he had two extra. Okay. He's two extra. All right. All right. All right. How many feet can a character with a 16 strength clear with a standing long jump? Standing long jump? Uh, Correct. Be 16 feet. I'm sorry. A standing high jump. Oh, uh, standing high jump would be 42. <laughs> 42. No. No, hold three on. Feet. Three feet. Oh. Yeah. Divide, multiply. <laughs> yep. Um, that one was a big fail. Wow. Yeah, you can just jump 42 feet. No, up I don't know why. You're, you're getting frazzled. Just just think through. Think through. You're getting frazzled because they're hard questions, some of them. <laughs> All right, this one I think you'll get, actually. But it's not a direct question. It's just explain to me how instant death works. Oh, instant death, uh, you are reduced to half your hit point maximum uh, below zero in one hit. Close, but no, it's not half. When a damage reduces you to zero hit points, if there is damage remaining, you die if the remaining damage equals or exceeds your hit point maximum. Oh, it is your half. full hit points? It's your full hit point maximum, yep. Still right. have, have never had that happen yet. Yeah, it, it's pretty rare. All right. Name the features of the great weapon master feat. No. Okay, fail. <laughs> um, you don't even have like a kind of a vague. I, I mean, you don't have to great get the weapon exact master wording feet. Um... Yep. I've I've taken it, and I know that at least a couple other PCs that have run in your games have taken it. So I know you are at least familiar with characters that have run it. Uh, great weapon master. Mm-hmm. Uh, crit on 19 to 20. Um, and that's all I got. Nope. I can't think of it. Nope, you already fail. Um, okay. that's a fighter feature. On your turn, when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon or reduce a creature to zero hit points with one, you can make one melee weapon attack as a bonus action. Additionally, oh, okay. before you make a melee attack with a heavy weapon that you are proficient with, you can choose to gate, take a five, minus five penalty to the attack roll. If the attack hits, you add plus 10 to the damages, to the attack's damage. All right. All right, here we go with another one that is got a lot of thinking through. List the nine basic races in the player's handbook in order from shortest lifespan to longest lifespan. So which one lives the least amount of time? All right. Human lives the shortest. 
then... No, you fail already. Was it half-orc? <laughs> half-orc, yes. Half-orc first, then human. Yep. Nope. Really? Then dragonborn. Oh, shit. Well, humans can live up to a century. The average dragonborn lives about 80 years. Oh, So okay. half-orc. Half-orc, dragonborn, tiefling. Oh, Then really? after tiefling... Then after Tiefling, who lives the longest, do you think? Halfling. Half L. Half L. Dwarf, Gnome, Elf. Oh, did I Where's miss the Halfling? The ha yeah, where, I, did, I must have missed the Halfling. Right. The Halfling lives uh, more than the Tiefling, but not as much as the Dwarf. Okay. I think. Let me double check that, though. Wow, I can't believe I just excluded it entirely. Um, Man, I thought all hey. other races, other than human, they all lived to be lived longer. But I should have seen the half orc coming. I was surprised that the gnome lives uh, longer than the dwarf. I thought the dwarfs lived longer than the gnome. Yeah, but they do not. They do not. Um, yeah. A halfling lives to the middle of his his or her second century. Oh no! So shit. he lives longer than a half elf, um, but not as long as a dwarf. Oh. Um, all right. So that one is. Uh, um, this one might be better. It's a little open ended. Name four spells that only appear on one class list. Shillelagh. Shillelagh, yes. Reincarnate. Ooh, I don't think that's right. <clears throat> oh, reincarnate. Yeah. Yep, you are right. Uh, Both druid spells. Yep. I'm, I'm really relying on the druid because they have a lot that are just for them. Um, two more. God damn it. Uh, um, some of them are actually fairly obvious. Really? Um, like, uh, Tensor's floating disc? Mm, nope. Sorry. Fail. Um,. You got you got one more Tensor's floating disc. I'm pretty sure is not correct. I think the Bard has that as well. Um, oh, I might be a small bitch. Maybe you're right. Maybe the Tensor's floating disc is not including the Bard's uh, where he's able to choose any spell he wants. No, I'm I'm sorry. I I overlooked one. Tensor's floating disc is correct. Tensor's floating disc is only on the wizard's spell list. Fail, fail for the <laughs> quiz maker here. Um, and I'm gonna go with oh man, this is gonna be a big shot in the dark. Um. I'm going to go with Knock. I think that's on the Bard spell list, too. Oh, fuck. Knock. It probably is. Yeah, but I think I was surprised you missed a Hex. 
Oh, uh, fucking Hex, you idiot. And Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Hell, Hex, Eldritch Blast. Uh, the, the Paladin has a lot. Compelled Duel, Divine Favor, Heroism, Searing Smite, Fine Steed, Aura of Vitality, Branding Smite, Elemental Weapon. Yeah. All, all Paladin spells. Uh, but the one of the more obvious ones is Wish. Only the Wizard gets Wish. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yep. shit. But All right, so three quarters credit. Three out of four there. All right. We're getting into... Uh, all right, I'm going to save the, the next one till after we get through this one. This one might be a little bit better for you. A Warlock PC gains five temporary hit points from a party mate's inspiring leader feat. Got that? All right, he, temporary HP. Five temporary hit okay. points from the his party mate's inspiring leader feat. Okay. He then takes three damage. Mm -hmm. Then, in combat, he kills an enemy, gaining five temporary hit points from his Dark One's Blessing class feature. Mm -hmm. How many temporary hit points does he have? Five. That's an acceptable answer, but technically he can have three or five. The PC chooses. Okay. Which to have. So, but that five is probably the 80% right answer. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, how does it become three if he wants? Because he doesn't need to accept the new temporary hit points uh, that he gets. Okay, all right. He can keep the three. Um, If for whatever reason that he, you know, like if something, for instance, maybe like uh, Dark One's Blessing, if it were inverted, Dark One's Blessing says as long as you have these temporary hit points. So if you accept temporary hit points from another source, you do not have the temporary hit points that you got from Dark One's Blessing, and in which case you would give up any benefits that you also have as long as you have, quote, unquote, these hit uh, points. Ah, okay. Um, all right. This one is one that I think is a little more challenging. It's a scenario. A PC is engaged in melee with another spellcaster. However, the PC wants to get some distance before he casts Magic Missile. So he sets a reaction to cast the spell once the spellcaster goes to cast another spell. The enemy spellcaster goes to, ca to cast another spell. He sets a reaction. But only once the PC is at least 20 feet away. You follow me? All right. The PC sets the reaction to cast Magic Missile the second he is 20 feet away and the other spellcaster goes to cast a spell. Sets that reaction so he is maintaining concentration before he moves away and provokes an opportunity attack which damages him. He saves to maintain concentration and manages to get 20 feet away from the enemy spellcaster. The enemy spellcaster is next in initiative order and goes to cast a spell. So the PC's trigger activates and the magic missile sails across the battlefield at the enemy. The enemy casts shield, which blocks magic missile. Does the magic missile hit the spellcaster or not? Yeah, it does. Can you explain why? Well, you didn't really say that if this was a new round or not, but since he took the opportunity attack, he doesn't have the reaction to cast shield. I, correct. So it, so it, 
does the magic missile hit the spellcaster? It does hit the spellcaster. Correct. Um, because he already, well, I kind of heavily implied, I said the enemy spellcaster is next in initiative order. Yes. So that is correct. He already used his reaction and cannot cast shield. All right. So that one was uh, the one I thought would really trip you up, but you got it. <laughs> I guess when it comes to a little bit more actual mechanics, like actual rules, maybe I yeah. get a little bit more. All right, you got any more or is that it? Oh, yeah, no, that's a 20-question quiz. Oh, fuck, All yeah. right. A PC with 30 movement starts his turn adjacent to a horse with 60 movement. He mounts the horse. How many feet can he move on the horse and still dismount it this turn? Thirty feet? He can Correct. move on the horse? Correct, because the horse has sixty feet, yeah. so he uses half of his movement, which is thirty feet, to mount the horse. Mm -hmm. Then the horse has sixty feet of movement. He has used fifteen feet of that movement, which he needs to use fifteen more to dismount, so that it would deduct thirty feet of movement from the horse's sixty feet of movement, which means that he can move thirty feet and still dismount on the same turn. Correct. Very nice. All right, we're picking up some steam here. We're getting we're getting down to the last few questions. There are five PCs in a party, a human, a dwarf, a halfling, an elf, and a half-orc. They currently have the following hit points. The human has five, the dwarf has four, the halfling has five, the elf has three, and the half-orc has ten. An enemy casts sleep at first level on the party, rolling 23 on his 5d8. How many PCs are put to sleep by the spell? 23. So he rolls 23. Six, eleven, four. Wrong. Three. Is it three? The elf cannot be put to sleep. Ah, shit. I should have known that. I was just looking at that shit the other day. God damn yep. it. It's. Yeah, that one is going to. I thought that one would frustrate oh you because God. I offered you like more information than God. you really needed. Oh, dude. Right. That pisses me off. I was just looking at that feature like yesterday. A character without a swim speed wearing heavy armor falls off a boat. The weight of his gear pulls him underwater where a shark waits. The shark moves toward him and the PC stabs at it with his short, short, short sword. What modifiers apply? All right, it's still his strength modifier. That's it. That could be the only one. He's wearing heavy armor? A character without a swim speed mm -hmm. wearing heavy armor falls off a boat. Yeah. The weight of his gear pulls him underwater. Yeah. He's underwater where a shark waits. The shark moves toward him and the PC stabs at it with his short sword. What modifiers apply? Uh, I, the only one I can think of is a strength modifier because everything else would be that he could use at the time. Well, no, Constitution modifier. Dex won't. To the attack roll? Yeah, not to the attack roll. That would just be strength. That's it. False. Um, I thought this one would trip you up. Uh, first of all, a short sword can use dex or strength. Right. <laughs> and I was thinking that the, the, the question seemed to be elusive to you. He's underwater. Mm -hmm. So the rules for underwater combat apply. 
which is that if a creature does not have a swim speed, they take disadvantage on all attack rolls to make attacks against any creature. No shit. I didn't know however, that part. However, a short sword, a spear, a trident are an exception to this rule. So, in other words, no modifiers. Why? Oh, really? A um, short sword does. I knew a trident. Thrusting. I knew a trident didn't, but I didn't know that short sword. All right, this will answer this question for everybody that is a PC and has always wanted to know the answer to this question. Mostly, I put it on this list because I am tired of having to repeat it. In a spell's description, under material components, in parentheses. The description lists the items a spellcaster uses to cast the spell. If you have a spellcasting focus, do you need these items to cast the spell? Only if it has a monetary value in the parentheses. You hear that, everybody? Only if it has a gold piece monetary value associated in the parentheses. Otherwise, spellcasting focus stands. Yeah. All right, and last if anybody question. else wants to know, a component pouch is technically a focus. Yes. All right, this is the last one. I'm very proud of you for getting that one. A little disappointed on the whole jump thing. <laughs> that, that was just a but, uh, Yeah, that was just a blackout. I don't even remember what you're talking about. A cleric has a necklace of prayer beads, a magic item, which he uses to cast Bless as a bonus action has a necklace of prayer beads, which he uses to cast Bless as a bonus action, as per described in the description of the item. Mm -hmm. He then casts Cure Wounds as his action. What is wrong with this scenario? You can only cast a cantrip after a level spell, or any after any spell as a bonus action. I suspected that would be your answer, but your answer is incorrect. Bullshit. When he casts Bless as a bonus action, he is not using the cast a spell action. He is using the use use item. magic item action. Use magic item means that he can absolutely cast Cure Wounds as his action because you can only cast one spell. He's not casting a spell. He's using a magic item that casts a spell. So there is nothing wrong with the scenario. It is perfectly legit. And I thought that I would trip you. You are. You're one, a cheat. I You're did. a fucking lousy cheat. <laughs> that's actually uh, okay. I, I never even thought about looking that up in the rules. That's that's a good one. Way to fucking have that. Yeah, some of them were a little. I, I mean, some of the ones that I didn't think would trip you up did, and then some of the ones <laughs> where I was like the fucking the one with the casting shields. You were like, oh no, he can't do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought that would really trip you up. You can't do that. He already uses reaction. That's what shield is. It's mm -hmm. reaction. You can't do that. I thought you might be like, well, hang on. It's force damage. And like, so, but yeah, his trigger went off. So he can't, he can't, well, I don't know. Ah, maybe I'm going to say. He was like, no. Nope. Yeah. It seems that when it comes down to just actual more blanket mechanics, mechanic rules, I got it. Uh, Except for jumping, I guess I really need to study on my jumping and not black out when this uh, sort of situation goes in front of uh, me. We're always looking it up, and none of us ever remember it. It's like, how many feet is that? It's like, yeah, it's a number. It, a high jump is a number of feet 
equal to your strength modifier if you run equal to twice your strength modifier if you run at least 10 feet and it's equal to your strength modifier from a standing long jump and the number of long or a uh, high jump yep. and then the long jump your strength score um your strength score if you run yep. at least 10 feet and half that if you do a standing long jump so i do i always have to look it up no matter what even yeah. when we're playing i have i have the compendium open all the time for that sort of shit yeah Anyway, so you get a total noob at my DM <laughs> quiz. Um, basically, you got like three questions or something, right? <laughs> it's like not a lot of them, but I tried to make it hard. Um, I'm okay with it. Hey, hopefully, I actually got more right than I thought I would, uh, just because it's been so long since I've read any of the D and D rules. Yeah. But yeah, you got the material components one right. The swim speed one, it seemed like I was trying to fake you out and you just didn't even get it. You're like, no, nothing applied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the sleep spell I knew was going to oh, frustrate that one, you. That's the one that makes me angry. That's the only one that makes me angry. You got the one with the horse right. You got the one with the magic missile right. You probably, I couldn't fault you for getting the nine basic races. I mean, I excluded one. Um, yeah. The great weapon master feat, I thought you would at least get part of it was right. Uh, proficiency fucking new language is super fucking witty. <laughs> How can you, you can learn a new language in six days? Like what? Like six days? Yeah, I didn't even think. I just shouted a number. <laughs> Moving. That was a great quiz. No, we're we're fucking ending the show with that because that was just fucking brilliant. I love that. That was an yeah, amazing quiz. Thank you so much, David. That was awesome. I mean, uh, you want to you want to make one for me? I, yeah, I'm gonna have to embarrass me. I'm gonna have to come up with one now. I'll still do it D and D, uh, but I'll see if I can come up with one that's fucking hardcore. Yeah, I tried to throw a few like confusing trick questions in there. Nothing's wrong. I was surprised that you uh, didn't falter on the uh, cone spell or the line spell. You're like they're the same. Yeah. Nope. I just had to look like, in my head and count the count the squares. <laughs> yeah, that's usually. But you know, it's like because it's like kind of a trick question. Which captures more? And the the answer is not that either of them capture more. Mm -hmm. So. I tried to throw you for a few loops in there, some of which were successful, some of which... The, the, the swimming one, you just, like, apparently didn't even enter into your mind that underwater combat would, would peed you in any way. Yeah, the only thing I thought of was, in heavy armor, you have disadvantage on dexterity checks, but mm -hmm. that was the only thing that was coming to mind, other than um, the only weapons that really work is trident. Trident, they specif specified in the book that trident is it's made for underwater combat. It's trident, spear, short sword, dagger. Any basically stabbing weapon. And so I thought I was going to get you. You were going to be like, oh, he's underwater. He gets disadvantage on the attack roll. And I was going to be like, not with the short sword, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, fucking well done again, Dave. That was amazing. And now I can't wait to make up my own that is just going to fucking come at you and destroy you. Yeah, I probably will. But uh, hey, if you guys listened and you took the quiz, how'd you do? Snow, if you did better than me, I'm sure you probably did. 
Uh, Rebecca, I know you're out there. How much better did you do than me? Let me know. She's like 100%, bro. 100%. But if you want to send us something, send it to you inside the GM studio at gmail.com. Uh, but for this week, I have been Matt. I am David. Good night.